Hey, this is French Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today, live in person, we have Canadian rock singer Susie Corey. Susie has been busy lately playing all over the place, Toronto, Los Angeles. She's written with, or she's recorded rather, with uh, members of The Trues, and she's currently working with L.A. guitarist Brent Woods, who has played with Sebastian Bach, Vince Neil. I remember him from a band called Wildside in 9192 I think uh, <laughs> yeah that's correct um, and it's funny because when I first got to know Brent um, I had no clue that he had been in this band and mm. then I slowly you know started to research him and discovered these things and started to ask him stories so he had quite a few interesting ones there he d- I imagine he does yeah, yeah uh, you know there's the whole story that they kind of came out at a time when they were that total 80s rock uh, yes. band, the typical bands you know, that were coming out at the time, like Poison and Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses and all that. Um, but I think they were at the end side of it, you know, near the 90s, and they got their record deal and then took quite a while before they were able to put the album out. And by the time they got the album out, Nirvana had come along and just changed everything. This is, so many casualties happen as a result of that in the, in the, in the glam metal world right yeah absolutely but i mean you know there's also the positive sides of it we were talking earlier about the fact that they got to record in eddie van halen's house that's amazing yeah and uh you know also making friends with and working with people like gene simmons and paul stanley and so on so that's come out to help later on in life so yeah definitely overall it was a good experience yeah and he's a good guy absolutely yeah otherwise i wouldn't be working with him (laughs) (laughs) so you know, speaking of which, um, the story about how you got to where you are today is pretty interesting. So c- can you tell us a little bit about that before we get into your songs? Sure. Um, I mean, if I'm going to go back to the beginning of where it all started, it was probably around when I was 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. I discovered this band called Guns N' Roses. Yes. You might have heard of them. I have. And I saw Axel performing, and I remember seeing Welcome to the Jungle and thinking, this is it. You know, this is what I want to be doing. It's crazy. And I didn't think I had it in me, but apparently I did. But it took that little thing to ignite it all. And I remember going to my parents and saying, you know, um, I think I know what I want to do. I want to be a performer like this. And uh, growing up in a strict Middle Eastern household, I can tell you it wasn't accepted very well. Yeah, and you know, I, it was difficult. I have to say, having parents that they loved me to death, mm-hmm. but weren't supportive of that whole thing of going, getting into the music industry. I could see why, you know. And you know, I mean, looking back, of course, yeah. it, for any immigrant parents, I think coming to North America, there's this fear of yeah. what's going to happen. So they prefer to keep you safe yeah. and protected. Well, I mean, even you know, as a father, I, I, I'd have second thoughts about having my little girl become a rock and roll singer. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, you know, it always bothered me, though, because my parents knew that I had a strong personality. Mm -hmm. Even when I was 13 or 14, Mm -hmm. I was never the one to follow. And I always knew what I wanted to do. And, you know, it it was I was, I think, a lot more adult than somebody at that age. And I was a lot more mature than the rest of my friends. So I was hoping that they would see that and understand that I wasn't trying to be rebellious. Mm -hmm. It was because I actually realized that this is what I want to do. Right. Right. So needless to say. Uh, and so how did you get started? <laughs> so your first gig, you were telling me earlier, your first gig is, is a super interesting story. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was a year and a half ago, roughly in January, where I just finished recording my songs with John Angus McDonald. He produced them for me. From the Trues. From the Trues. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was an incredible, you know, great experience with him. So I come out with four songs and um, 
I heard that LA Guns was coming to Toronto yeah. and literally playing two minutes from my house. And I remember seeing that and thinking, you know what, I got to reach out to the um, promoter, promoter yeah. and ask him, can I possibly be on this bill? And I did. And of course, he couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you got. I, I can't believe that happened. Well, you know, it was pretty damn good for a first try. Yeah. And you know, I have to say that preceding that, I had spent almost a year going around Toronto, a lot of open jams, meeting with musicians. So I started to know people around town. Okay. It wasn't like you know, Steve, who's the promoter. I I had met him earlier. Uh, okay, so it wasn't like you just kind of walked on and said, "Hey, I'd like to be on this bill," and they, you know, because you didn't have a band at that time. Well, yeah, that's what Steve didn't know, the promoter, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd sent him my songs, and he went, "Whoa, okay, this is great. Yep, she's all set to go." And he didn't know that I didn't actually have a band, but I thought, you know, you you take the opportunity, and yeah. then you work out those details later. That is so funny. <laughs> I did the same thing, by the way, in L.A. With the Whiskey A Go Go. That oh. was my second show opening up for LA Guns again. So, so you did so well the first time that they <laughs> said, why don't you come back and open for us at the Whiskey? I'd love to say that's the story, but okay. uh, that's actually not <laughs> how it worked. What happened was uh, after I did the show here, yeah. about a month later, I was in LA okay. and um, I, just on vacation. I wasn't doing anything there. And I remember going for Chris Cornell's tribute. Oh, I nice. heard that they were because he had just passed away, yeah. unfortunately. And, you know, for me, he's been a big influence one of my favorite singers ever mm -hmm. and when I heard that I was you know I was there in LA and there they were doing this tribute at the whiskey I went out and um, got to see that show but while I was there I saw a poster for LA Guns on July 21st I think it was um, playing there and I went you know what this might be another opportunity. I've already opened for those guys. I can <laughs> walk onto that bill. Right. And well, that's what happened. So I reached out to the promoter, sent them my music. I actually went and saw them in person. Right. And I said, listen, I've done this before. I played for them in Toronto and get, you know, I'd like to be on this bill. Yeah. And again, they said yes. And <laughs> I got to do that as my second show. <laughs> <laughs> what can't you do? You, you, anything you ask for, you, it just happens for you. Well, you know, I think people sometimes underestimate the power of just ask because mm -hmm. I had people approach me afterwards and go like how the hell did you play the whiskey a go-go and so early on you know you're just getting started and I said I I just asked that's that all is, like that is a storied venue that is you know some people aspire to do that their entire lives right. to play you know be on stage the whiskey oh definitely a bucket list item yeah. and you know I just I'm so glad that it happened I remember the that evening I finished the show and I went to a coffee shop nearby by myself yeah. and sat there and had to take it all in going, I can't believe I just played the whiskey. So like, <laughs> incredible. So incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That is awesome. So, so now you um, are gigging a lot around the city, around Toronto. Yeah. Right? And what is so what are some of the things that, that, that we have um, to look forward to? Well, right now, I mean, I'm not doing a lot of shows per se. I did a lot in 2017, especially in the fall. We did a lot of shows around Toronto. Um, this year, really, the big focus is just on recording the album. I'm trying uh, to get a whole album finished out, good. but possibly putting out an EP first, good. just to give people a taste of what's coming. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about this. Um, working with Brent has been unbelievable. Excellent. It's just another, you know, it's taken it to another level. And for me, a big learning experience. And, you know, the style is changing as well, maturing a lot more. When I first came out, the songs I did with John Angus, although, you know, of course I love them, but it's straight ahead rock and roll. Right. And this is a little bit more different. And, you know, it's hard to kind of explain, but 
It's coming soon. Okay. Good. So, oh, so it's a little teaser. It's a yeah. surprise. <laughs> we will not divulge. Well, you know, if you check out Facebook, you'll see I'm kind of hinting at things. There's right. even a little bit of country in there, which oh, I was gonna blew say, me away. Yeah, you and I talked about that <laughs> yep. before, and uh, I was actually very surprised. But that's cool. I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah, so. well, that's true. Uh, okay, so you have got uh, five songs here, which are extremely diverse. It's it's which I love. They're varied, and uh, the first one is the song that kicked it all off for you. That's uh, "Welcome to the Jungle" by Guns N' Roses. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I you know I alluded to that now at the beginning of our conversation. I I have to give credit to that because. Although growing up in the 80s, I was very much influenced by everything that was going on. I mean, we had some of the best artists, you know, the big names like Michael Jackson, Cyndi Lauper, Madonna, Prince. Mm -hmm. How could you not possibly get pulled into music? And, you know, maybe not everybody will take it further to performing and actually wanting to be a performer. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was a big influence. But nothing changed things more for me than when I discovered Guns N' Roses. And it was that particular song. Because yep. I know they had the EP before, yep. uh, Lies. Lies. But um, it was that particular song when I first got introduced to them. And I remember, I think it was at my grade seven, um, there was some kind of talent show. Mm-hmm. And somebody did that song there. And I was like, what's that song? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I looked it up. And that's when I saw the video and everything else. And I went, Ugh, this is what I'm going to do. Really? Yeah. And this Axel guy, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you met him, haven't you? I have. Um, I've probably told this story 50 million times, but you know what? I have no problem doing that. Um, I'll make it short and sweet, though. It was my birthday coming up, and it was about two years ago. And my friends were saying, you know, what what would you like for your birthday? What are you going to do? Have a big party, something? I said, no, you know what? I want one thing and one thing only. I want to meet this guy who started it all for me and wanting to get into music. And because this was two years ago, I was just starting to think that, you know what, I want to pursue a career in music because I'd left it for several years, getting married, having children, and so on, that now was coming back that I wanted to do this. So I said, you know what, I'm going to start by meeting him. because So my friends kind of laughed it off and thought, okay, sure. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, go meet him. So I got a ticket, booked a ticket, flew out to L.A. Yeah. and Googled his address, found it very easily. No. Yeah, I hate to tell people that. Sorry, Axel. Um, but it's right there on Google. And I drove to the home. Wow. And I remember driving up the canyon and, you know, you have your GPS on. It's showing I'm about two minutes away. So I'm starting to prepare in my head. What am I going to say to security to explain that it's my birthday? I've come from Toronto. Just want to say hello. Take a picture, possibly. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And as I'm driving up, um, it's a very secluded kind of area. I see this gentleman walking. And I remember, you know, his back is to me, so I can't see his face. But I saw his leg and I saw this tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I knew that tattoo belonged to Axel Rose. Yes. Yeah. I think I was just dumbfounded and in shock. Is he I by mean, himself? No, he was with a lady friend. Okay. So I don't know who she is. But mm-hmm. anyhow, I you know drove up to them and I, I explained that I'm not crazy and that I'd come in from Toronto and it was my birthday and I just wanted to say hello and possibly have a picture. And I didn't know what to expect because, right. you know, the whole reputation of well, Axel. Yeah, of course. And at this time, they still not reunited. So yeah. 
now we see him as being much more calm, you yes. know, and he's a different person. Certainly he is, yeah. But at that time when I met him, he still wasn't like, you know, had not reunited with the band. There yeah. wasn't a lot of press around about him, so I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So nice. I oh, mean, that's great. Yeah, he was extremely polite. I'm happy to hear that. We took this picture up by his house and talked for a little bit. I explained to him, you know, I was the total fan. Yeah. <laughs> Tried not to be, but I was. And, um, you know, I told him, I hope one day you and I are going to do a song together. <laughs> what and he chuckled. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you don't know. We are. I swear. <laughs> so I took the picture, walked away, and, you know, drove to a restaurant nearby. And I remember posting the picture on Facebook, of course. Yeah. And everybody went, what? Well, no yeah. <laughs> you know, like, how? So when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. See, I, yeah. Like, listeners, the, the, the lesson here is... You don't ask, you don't get, right? Right. I'm, I don't know what to say. Like, so you said you were going to do it, you went and did it, and it just happened. Well, you know, I have to say, and although it sounds kind of uh, woohoo-ish, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I knew with every ounce of me that I was going there and I was going to meet him. Wow. It's just, you know, I mean, this can go into another conversation talking yeah. about manifesting things and believing in something. Right. When you believe in it and so much and so deeply... I had no doubt. I didn't go there thinking, you know, why would I have done all that if I didn't think I had exactly that yeah. I was going to meet him? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not trying to sound cocky, but that's the, the truth of the matter. But there's something I didn't plan for, which is even crazier. Okay. So I'd mentioned that Guns N' Roses had not un- reunited at that point. Right. This was December 2015. Okay. So I meet with him, post the picture. A week later, um, Blabbermouth posts yeah. the picture blabbermouth.com which is one of the biggest rock publications online and you know with my name there and so on as a fan having met him and it's the first photo of Axel in a year and a half no way so you know just when you think that you had things planned your way it gets even bigger and the picture went viral and then two weeks later Guns N' Roses announced their reunion wow so the timing of all that was just crazy perfect yeah yeah that's incredible yeah. Well, yeah, the internet's a scary thing sometimes, right? It, it Well, because, you know, friends started sending me messages saying there's an article and you're in this article. You're like, oh my God. What? Yeah, and it got picked up by a lot of different agencies because it was the first photo to of surface course. of Axel in a year and a half since their residency in Vegas. Yeah. You know, he was with Guns N' Roses, another version of Guns N' Roses. And since then, he hadn't been seen. So yeah, this is the photo of you. And, yeah. And wow. So it's like my 15 minutes of fame with Axel. <laughs> I, wonder what he, I wonder what he thought about that. Well, it's funny because I thought about that afterwards and, you know, I, I admire him so much mm-hmm. and I didn't want him to think that I had sold the picture or yeah. given it to anybody because I didn't. I put it on my Facebook, but it made me real- realize that I didn't know anybody could pick up the photo and use it in a publication like that. And really, you don't have any rights to it because when you put it out there on it, social it, media. It's just public domain. Yeah. Right. And that's the absolutely terrifying thing about the Internet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it worked out. I think that's great. That's fantastic. It is. So, have you met Barbara Streisand? Because that's your news too. <laughs> make it like a memory of Barbara Streisand. I have not. Um, you know, not definitely yet. someone. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. Um, I hope she's listening in. So, Barbara, if you're out there. Yeah, you know, when I was younger, I really listened to a lot of Barbara Streisand. I read her biography. I admired her for so much more than just the music. The mm-hmm. whole, you know, she's a very powerful woman and represents a lot. She got into film, acting, producing, and all these other facets besides the music. Yeah. And she's someone who really knows what direction she's going in and was in control in a lot of ways of her career. Right. And I admired that. 
because you know I'm not one to play the female or card, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. And you know, to see someone succeed at it and in such a large way, I, she's someone I definitely admired. Yeah. But if we go back to that song. You know, I don't think it was one of the biggest uh, hits for her, but for me, that was just one of those epic songs okay. and showcases the voice in such a magnificent way. Yep. And for me, I loved singing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not familiar with the song. I've, n- I've never heard of it. Yeah. I, I kind of have a, a, a general understanding of her catalog, yeah. but I, I don't know the song. Well, that's why I was saying that, you know, it's not one of the more yeah, well-known is, songs. Is it like a deep cut? Would you call it that? <sighs> I guess I I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Was it, was it was it like a hit? Yeah, I think. I mean, I, the way they were was massive for her, or the way we were rather. Right. Um, she had a bunch of other huge ones, but back then, you know, they tended to sing other people's songs, right? So, right. Um, you know, they were written by Burt Bacharach, and uh, the names escape me. But this is so they would, you know, other people would write their songs for them. Right. I don't know the song at all. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, did you listen to it? <laughs> I, I learned something today. See? You're also a teacher. You can add that to your your, your resume. <laughs> well, you want to know something. I lived in the Middle East for several years, yeah. and I was a teacher. <laughs> there you go. Why am, why am I not surprised? One of that? many lives that I've led. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I taught elementary school. Did you really? Yeah, grades one to four. For how long? Two years. Really? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, wow. In the Middle East, so English, math, and science. Yeah, I was Miss Susie to well, a whole generation of children. <laughs> what, what, sorry, how long was that ago? That was in 2001. Okay. You're talking like 16, 17 years ago. So you were 12 at that point. Pretty much, you were yeah. Like 25. But <laughs> I know I'm really dating myself here, but you know, it was interesting. It was one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. I bet. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know we're going off on a tangent here, but it is a hard job. I have total respect for teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, so do I. I know a lot of them. I have a lot of personal friends who are teachers, and uh, and it's a tough gig. Sure. Well, if you're going to do it and do it right, it takes a lot out of you, a mm-hmm. lot of your time, and you have a real vested interest in those children because really you are influencing a whole generation. And you know, I know it doesn't rest solely on me, but because it was those elementary years from grades mm-hmm. one to four, that's essentially where children are being molded. And it's a very critical time. I don't think people understand how important it is mm-hmm. at that time. That will set the tone for the rest of their lives. So I did take it seriously. And, you know, it was it was difficult, but at the same time, very re- rewarding. Yeah. Okay. Back to the tunes. <laughs> so we're going off in a different direction here. I have not heard of this song. I know I, I don't know what this is even. It's uh, Notre Dame de Paris and it's Bohemienne. Bohemian, yeah. Um, that was a musical, yeah. and it was by Luc Plamondon, okay. who worked a lot with Celine Dion as well, mm-hmm. but also he's done a few musicals, very French. I love French music, mm-hmm. and I kind of got into it when I moved to Montreal. Okay. Um, I lived there from 1992 to 94 mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and that's when really I got immersed into French music and realized I love it. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of... Patrice Cass and Roquefoisine, who's really big here. Yes. Yeah, Francis Cabrel, who's yeah. French from France. Um, so I got into all that music, but Luc Plamondon and the whole, I've always loved musical theater. Mm-hmm. And, um, y- you know, I was just enthralled with this musical when it came out. And I saw it actually here in Toronto. And um, this song, it's sung by the main, one of the main characters, the gypsy, Esmeralda. Okay. And Bohemian obviously means Bohemian. Yeah. 
And I always wanted to play that role. Maybe will one day. Um, I'm sure you will. Well, the whole idea of the gypsy, you know, I felt like that because I had moved around a lot in my life Mm -hmm. and happy to do so. It's created the person that I am. I've lived in the Middle East. I lived in different cities in Canada um, and traveled all over. So... I felt like very close to this character in that particular song. She talks about, you know, being this gypsy and traveling everywhere and being not having one home. Right. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, that's just a magical song and very much who I am. Yeah. Self-representative. Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) The story of my life. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, Your next song is by Stevie Nicks and it's called Landslide. Yeah. Tell Um, me about that. I mean, I've always had a very deep respect for Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac in general, but particularly Stevie Nicks because she decided to go out even with having such a successful career with Fleetwood Mac, still took that risk and went out with a solo career, also did, you know, unbelievable magical stuff, um, working with Tom Petty. Yeah, um, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. One of my favorite songs. (laughs) If I ever find someone who'll sing the Tom Petty part, I'm always ready to sing it. Axel, Um, Axel can sing that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe sure. we can recommend that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and the whole image and persona of Stevie Nicks, she's just someone who's, to me, fantastic vocalist, amazing musician, wonderful songwriter, and she always kept that level of respect, you know, as, as a woman in the industry of not really being that person who flaunts everything. And sometimes I feel now in the industry and probably ever since the beginning of time, you know, I remember even Madonna when she first came out that was so risque and, you know, the dressing and so on. Whereas Stevie Nicks has always kind of remained as a very classy kind of woman. That's a very uh, great point that you make. You're right. Yeah. So for me, you know, that's been kind of something I always believe in as well. And not to judge other women in the industry, because I do believe to each his own. Absolutely. And, you know, whatever is right for you is not right for someone else, because everybody has to be who they are. And as long as you're being true to yourself, that's all that matters. But um, getting back to the song itself, Landslide is a very touching song, because I think all people, not just women, go through some point in their life where, you know, you go through a lot of changes, whether it's psychological, emotional, um, actual physical changes, whatever it may be. And um, it's coming to terms with those things and accepting them and really evolving and becoming another person, not being afraid of that. So that was a critical time in her life. And writing that song, it really personifies a lot of people's lives at that moment when you have that turn around in that change you're right very well said stevie next never did play the sex card in 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 on her own or with fleetwood mac and yet she's very sexy yeah if that makes any sense but see i've always been a big believer in that right sexy isn't really kind of you know showing your boobs and kind of putting it that to me that's desperate do you know what i mean right when it's a little bit more covert and you do it a certain way to me that's a little bit more you know interesting and sexy i think well, I know it's cliche to say that it's, you know, um, uh, of course, it's obvious when someone's putting it out there, yeah. um, but it is a lot deeper than that. You know, the superficial is that, yeah, you're looking at someone going, wow, that's sexy. But I think there's a lot more to it when it's a personality thing and people look at you and the whole image yeah. of you is sexy and it runs far deeper than just looking at a photo and it's someone's personality and you know and depth yeah and yeah and, and just even the way that someone carries themselves right you know yeah there's so much more to it I agree and she, she certainly did do that there's no question 
Okay, your last song, Susie Corey, is by <laughs> you brought in some Canadian content, which is great. Of course. Uh, Blue Rodeo, and it's called After the Rain. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Blue Rodeo from the beginnings, um, I've always been a huge fan. And it's funny because I always felt like, and correct me if I'm wrong, in Canada, you were either a Tragically Hip fan or a Blue Rodeo fan. Not that I wasn't a fan of the Tragically Hip. I didn't really get into them, although I have a story if you want to hear it a Please. little bit later. Um Blue Rodeo was definitely, I, I think that's where I started to feel a little bit, although they're not completely country, yeah. you have to admit they've got a little bit of a country sound yeah. and influence I can hear there. And I always loved Jim Cuddy's vocals mm -hmm. and, you know, the whole songwriting style of them telling stories and very emotional stuff. Yeah. But where it got to another level in that particular song, I was living in the Middle East and mm -hmm. I lived abroad for about 14 years. Mm -hmm. And I remember Blue Rodeo being for me Canadiana and being my tie to Canada. Really? And yeah, I would listen to that song and cry. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's great. You know, the, the whole saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. Um, not to say that I was upset living abroad because I lived a very fulfilling life and I had incredible experiences that I would never take back for anything. Yeah. But when you're far away from home and home being where I grew up, um, I was very connected to Canada and missed a lot of things about Canada mm -hmm. and Blue Rodeo would always bring me back to that and wow. it was my comfort listening to them. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so he might be listening to this <laughs> so that he'd, he'd be very happy to hear that. That's awesome. Well, here's another crazy thing about manifesting things. I remember when I came, moved back to Canada in 2014, mm -hmm. I created this vision board okay. and on the vision board was Jim Cuddy. And I remember thinking I'd love to meet him one day. And when I heard, I think it was in February of 2015, they played in Hamilton. Right. I bought a ticket right away because I'd never seen them live. Mm -hmm. And I went and watched the show. And I was certain I was going to meet them. You know, I tried. I talked to security and whatever. Couldn't get backstage. Right. So, okay, you know, it is what it is. Yep. And I think it was a few weeks later, maybe three weeks later, I ended up running into him. No way. Where? Yeah. Just at the, the airport. <laughs> oh, the airport. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's funny. So I went up to him and said, you know, I caught your show and I, I talked to him briefly and, but didn't try to be the fan this time. Just, you yeah. know, saying I, I really respect your music and like you a lot. I like that. We took a photo and yeah. Perfect. So it's great. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Wow. See, you always get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still on that path. There's a lot of, I want a Grammy, you know, so. That, I, I, I'm not discounting the fact <laughs> that you may win a Grammy at some point based on what you've told me today. Well, I've already written the speech, so <laughs> can't get any more certain than that. I'll consider it a done deal. Then. <laughs> get the suit from now. <laughs> 2020. 2020. Yeah. Susie Corey, you are a fascinating woman with great stories thank you very much that is the end of your song list um i've really enjoyed talking with you today thank you and thank you for feeding my ego oh <laughs> i'm sure that happens a lot <laughs> uh only to myself no actually you know those who know me know i have no ego and i think that's one thing you have to keep out of the way mm. if you want to have any level of success in this industry i know a lot of people think you have to be you know um very aggressive mm -hmm. and absolutely you can be but in the right ways mm -hmm. and with the right attitude and supporting other people you know it, it isn't just about me um for me it's about the people who are also becoming a part of this as either as a fan or people who are supporting you in whatever way they are. Yeah. It's really about all of that and connecting with people. You I know? completely agree. You have a fantastic attitude. Thank you. Yeah.
thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. And I got to come to the Spoke Club. <laughs> right. Hey, I told you before, right? So we're going to do two things when you come back. Membership. Membership at the Spoke Club. What was the second thing? <laughs> oh, gosh. Get your own headphones. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. for those of you listening, you can't see me right now, but uh, he's wearing headphones. I'm not. And I said, is that to make you feel more important? <laughs> Because I worked in radio, you know. Oh, the secret's out. <laughs> I have to make myself seem more important than my guests. <laughs> I get it. That's all right. It's just for the You're levels. You're entitled. It's for the levels, Corey. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, this has been No Sleep Till Subway with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Miss Susie Corey. Until next time, folks, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Subbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. <laughs>